My name is Tom Miles. Uh, this is totally uh, next week's episode from the one that we recorded in March of 2020. Nothing has changed. Uh, yeah, no time has passed. Don't worry about it. No explanation needed. <laughs> yes, we are. We are back. We are. We are having our uh, our regularly scheduled podcast, and we hope that you guys enjoy it. Um, yeah, sorry. The pandemic was a lot. I, I apologize. <laughs> I've moved like twice. Uh, Miles has, has had his adventures during the pandemic. We might talk about that briefly. But yeah, it's been crazy and overwhelming and busy. So I, I uh, look forward to talking to you guys. I keep saying more regularly. I'm not even going to pretend to make that promise anymore. I am here with you now and we will celebrate the moment that we so, that was beautiful. Is that a good enough introduction to whatever it is we're about to do? That was beautiful. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Poetic. Uh, yeah. So, hello. We, you and I have already been talking for the last 20 minutes, so this is not a, uh, a cold introduction. So, uh, I am already aware that you are doing relatively well. I'm glad to hear that. Um, you're welcome to share any bit of that information you would like to with the listeners that you find pertinent to the current conversation i actually want to just jump right into it um if that's okay i know yeah. we, we're, we're both sort of pressed on time um the so i was talking to my counselor on uh monday i believe and today is what wednesday there's wednesday yes and so. um yeah god i hope so too and we were talking we, the last couple of sessions we've been working on um, sort of hashing out my drinking habits, actually. Um, okay, gotcha. Sort of, sort of like trying to figure out whether or not I have a problem. Which um, some family members of mine have voiced some concern with my level of intake, um, and I thought that that was enough to at least warrant a conversation with my my guy right like when, um, when people you know are concerned you know people that know you and care about you you at least need to take it seriously right exactly. i mean like if my wife was like go talk to somebody about this i would be there like the next day um but it wasn't my wife it was somebody somebody else but um still took it seriously and i was thinking about it and um my, my new guy since i moved up to cleveland uh, his name's ken and um he's very capable and Ken and I were talking about this. So essentially what, what, what brings me to this point is um, my dad was an alcoholic when he was alive. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so we have that, that gene, uh, my brother and I, right. So I'm a little hypersensitive about it. Right. Um, I know that I have an addictive personality. Um, I don't know if you remember me in college very well, but I smoked all the time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was very addicted. Um, even now, I, I am uh, drinking coffee like crazy because I'm. I believe that I'm very addicted, and um, I didn't want alcohol to become part of that as well because alcohol definitely screwed up my family when I was a kid, and did a lot of damage to my brother and I. Yeah. And that takes so, a lot of, uh, you know, takes a lot of. Uh, I don't even know the right the right term aside from strength. To, you know to face that voluntarily especially when you know the history and the impact of that thing so that's awesome man that's really that's really great yeah i i appreciate that um and and i think like i mean you you know a lot of my history with mental health so it's not 
like it's foreign to me to be tackling big rocks <laughs> in my sure. brain, you know, um, yeah. sort of, sort of normalized at this point in time. And, um, my family and I, especially my wife are pretty non-judgmental with a lot of that stuff. So we sort of try to approach things as productively as we can instead of with guilt, you know? Yeah. Um, and that really helps a lot feeling, feeling supported. So talking to Ken and, um, he gave me this challenge last two weeks ago, last week, two weeks ago. And he said, why don't you try to drink one, an average of one drink a night until I see you next. And I was like, all right. So like if I skip Thursday, I can have two drinks on Friday. And he's like, yeah, exactly. Just an average of one drink a night. And I was like, all right, fine. I could do that. And I got like two days in and I was like bombing this challenge terribly. Yeah. Like I was, I was just like not even close. Yeah, so, yeah. so we're, um, we're meeting and he said, how'd you do with the challenge? And I said, oh, I just totally bombed it. And he said, well, that's interesting. Uh, I, I've been thinking about whether or not I think you have a drinking problem and I'm not convinced you have a drinking problem. And I said, I just bombed your challenge. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's pretty highly indicative that I have compulsive drinking habit. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, no, I think what happens is that you have a ritualistic behavior that you engage in every night. And that's different than having a need to drink every night. So he poses a really interesting question to me. He said, do you have a certain brand of liquor that you buy to drink all the time? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, you know, I have, I have my favorites and I, you know, that's it. And um, he said, do you have a certain recipe for a favorite drink? And I immediately think of like an old fashioned. It's like my favorite drink. Right. And I have a very specific recipe that I make for an old fashioned. My wife will tell you that I am very fastidious with my old fashioned recipe <laughs> to the point that it's like a fault. Um, and he said, well, if you didn't have the liquor that was available to you in your cabinet right now and you went and bought pre-mixed uh, old fashioned from the gas station, would you still drink it? And I said, well, no, I wouldn't because it's garbage and it's not really good. And I didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you probably don't have a problem. Then you probably have a, a, you know, a ritual that you like to engage in that gives you predictability and sure. a feeling of structure. So then he says, or do you think you're addicted to anything else? And I said, coffee, hundred percent. And he said, do you have a weird coffee pot that you make your coffee in and you like grind the beans a certain way and you have a certain temperature that you do the water at and like, it takes too long. And he's like, like speaking to my soul, because this is exactly what I do every morning or my right. wife does every morning, depending on who wakes up. Usually my wife, um, we, um, you know, uh, so just a very weird way of making coffee as well. I drink my coffee the same way every day and, you know, I have it at school every day the same way. Right. And so he's like, you know, just maybe you have you know, ritual is very important to you instead of addictions. And um, I never really thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of not feeling guilty about like an addiction, because we both know that guilt just increases addictive behaviors. Um, right. Being able to look at my behavior as ritualistic instead of addictive, I think is very cool. Um, cause that frees up a lot of that moral 
weight to it, you know? Sure. Um, and then I was like, well, but then, then can't, can't rituals become addictions? And he said, absolutely. But you have a good support system that can keep you in check as well. So I'm not really worried about it. Right. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Because I, I think, I mean, that's a big, long story. I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, but, I think I have. Well, yeah, a lot of this obviously is going to come down to the understanding of the term addiction. Right. Uh, of course. Which I guess I just want to be clear. And we just we just talked about this a little bit before we started recording that, you know, addiction means different things to different people. And that I would I, I want to caution that anything we're about to say uh, should not be taken as this is how you treat addiction. Um, but I so here's what I found really interesting in what you said. And then maybe I can go from there. Um, I think that there is something to um, coping or that ritual is a type of soothing pattern. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And that ritualistic soothing is a very adaptive way to deal with many of the stressors and um, unknowns and chaos that we often encounter in the world. Uh, It provides order where there is obviously none, um, you know, that kind of thing. So in that sense, I I very much appreciate this idea of the draw of of habit. It's something that – or ritual. I I think we've used, you know, both terms, habit and ritual. Um, I think those things are really positive. Um, And so in and of themselves – you know that's how i would look at it is that rituals are incredibly positive things um the question would then become like is the ritual itself healthy um and that would be you know a question for you to evaluate you know the person that uh you know you know has their you know glass of wine every day with with their dinner um is probably like that might just be their thing and if that is the extent to which it impacts the rest of their life, then I would say that that's an incredibly positive thing. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, it, I guess it's the same. And it goes back to, like, how we define mental illness in general, which is that it has to have this the series of behaviors or thoughts that adversely affects, like, your ability to function in the world. Um, so that would be the real question to me is, like, not yeah. whether not are you a regular drinker, which there are plenty of people without your um, you know level of caution, where that kind of behavior is not just normal, it's cultural. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that we go out and, and back back when you could go to bars, um, you know that that we go out every weekend or we go out every you know weekday, you know after after work and we hit the pub, that kind of thing. Um, so it's obvious that many people incorporate alcohol into their lives ritualistically and not obvious that it's bad for the majority of those people. Um, it is obviously very dangerous for someone that has a um, a tendency towards – and I'm speaking generally, not about you um, – you know, a tendency towards uh, addictive behaviors in general but also the abuse of substances um, in particular – uh of of you know of mind altering substances um to 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 reach a certain affective level uh so i think it makes it it means that you should be concerned but obviously you were concerned enough to take it seriously so yeah i guess it's one big like 
yeah, for for some people, this might be a really bad idea, but you're taking it seriously and you have the support system. And it's it's obvious that there is ways in which this can be a very good thing. So until it becomes a bad thing, why ruin a good thing? Um, so that just to me, that just requires like, you know, diligence and honesty. Put, putting the work in. Right. Like that, that's that's sort of the, the, the challenge. That, well, um, uh, yeah, I guess I would, the only part that I would add, and I apologize, I'm cutting you off after uh-huh. talking for so long. But it, to me and, and with my experience with substance abuse, the, the part that becomes hard very quickly is your ability to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Um, and my experience is that that is like at the core of a lot of mental illness in general is the ability to um, encounter oneself authentically in a way that you can handle emotionally. Um, and that usually requires you to lie to yourself <laughs> to get by. Uh, so yeah, that's all that's just, those are the things that come off the top of my head. Yeah. I, mean, I was, I was going to say, I like, put, put in the work, you know, and, and I think, I think what you said about being honest, is sort of part of that as well, you know, being able to um, not just work really hard and go to the meetings and stuff, but to actually be able to scrutinize and, look at what you're experiencing as yeah like, like, like as honestly honestly as you can i mean and i think uh, yeah man you, you just said something really I, amazing sorry go ahead no because i actually i'm going to take it into a different direction so i don't want to i don't want to cut off your thing mm. good well i wasn't planning on talking about this but i've been dying to talk about this so if you don't mind it won't take very long okay Please, but i, sure. I want to make a comparison um because I don't remember how much I talked about my drinking on this podcast, but I, I used to abuse alcohol very consistently. Uh, I don't like the term alcoholic, but I abused alcohol for years of my life. And now <laughs> you talk about like a helpful ritual. Um, I hardly drink at all anymore. Um, occasionally I'll have uh, a little bit of wine, maybe a little bit of um, uh, bourbon. That was always my liquor of choice, some kind of whiskey. Um but I now, in the state of Pennsylvania, have a medicinal marijuana card, and that is now my new quote-unquote like ritualistic coping. Sure. Um, and I feel amazing. <laughs> uh, not like it's changed my life, but the but going from a substance, and I'm not scrutinizing your use of alcohol because you're using it in a very temperate way, but going from, you know, binge drinking most days out of the week to just doing a little bit of cannabis to like take off the edge in the evening and you don't get hung over. And it, my point is like, I like I've been concerned for myself. Like you do this almost every night, almost every night you are using cannabis to like, you know, take away the, the, the severe amount of cortisol in your brain. And is that a problem? <laughs> like, you know, it kind of like what you're saying, like, especially for someone that has a history and a family history of substance abuse, like I look at that and I'm like, man, I feel like I should be scared of that. But it's it's not impact. And this is what I mean about being honest with yourself. Like uh, it's not impacting my life the way that other substances were. Right. Um, and I'm so, sure so- I'm sure there are ways that it can be abused. I'm not I'm not trying to be a an apologist for cannabis in any way um at least not at the moment uh oh yeah <laughs> well because i don't feel like i've experienced enough of it like i'm very new to this I, I haven't i i'm not a person that you know i was 31 when i started smoking pot um, right. 
and the pot. That's another thing. There's no good word for it. Um, <laughs> you sound like a teenager. You sound like a yeah. like a freaking like 14 year old boy. I smoke some weed. Um, but yeah, like cannabis has been a really good stabilizing force in my life. But I do worry about like what's the difference between you know consistently going to a substance to mediate my emotional behavior, you know, my my emotions and an addiction what's the difference between those things um so so, yeah. so can i can i can i take it one step further i know i know you're taking like two steps but i'll, I'll take it one step further yeah. mm-hmm. um i take lithium every day so what's the difference between Blame. you smoking pot and me taking lithium if in the end they both help us well I mean, it was a drug right the only thing that I would say is the difference is that yours, I imagine, is not on a demand basis. You take a regular <clears throat> prescribed amount of lithium at whatever interval you take it. Uh, correct, yes. But right. I also, also take uh, anxiety meds on demand. Um, well, yeah, then your on-demand anxiety meds are almost the exact same thing as smoking. Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I guess that, that's what I'm saying. Like, So, so what's the – I mean – What's the difference? You know, I mean, I, I, I mean, not that I'm. You might not be screwing up, weed, up your lungs the way that I am, but not much. <laughs> My kidneys with the lithium, I guess, is what I'm doing. Right? Yeah, right. Um, no, but that 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 would be the part that I've seen. Um, I've seen criticism of it that way. I've also had family members concerned for the same reason, like you know, basically that you know you're you're not. It's being given to you like it's medication, but it's not. You don't take it like it's medication. It's on right. demand. Um, so that's the only part of it that I, that feels like it could be, you know, it, that it's not as controlled mm-hmm. the way that other medications are. Um, I've heard, I've yeah. heard, um, I've heard theories that like we just transfer one addiction to the next addiction to the next addiction, you know, and if we, um, ever become addicted to one thing, we, we, we just kind of replace it with something else. Um, well, I, I think, think it's a really interesting idea. Well, I guess that makes sense to me. Because if addiction is a if, – if one way to describe addiction is a malfunction of the neural pathways, that essentially a thing that should take a very long time to do, you can activate instantly, and there's now like this embedded groove of like exactly how your brain knows you can get to that neural pathway, you want to keep stimulating that again and again and again. And that's right. the addiction cycle, especially if you also have a negative withdrawal cycle on the back end with a feedback loop. Right. Then it just, it right. just exactly. goes and goes. Um, so I get that. Like once once your brain knows that you don't have to like, you know, succeed at life to get serotonin, you can just do this thing, you know, knows that you don't actually have to like, you know, build the tallest building to get that dopamine. You can just do this thing. Uh, you know, why would it do anything else? Why would it why would it do the harder thing? Right. Um, so that would be that would be interesting. I would love to see something about that, like you know, about the the brains of quote unquote addicted people versus uh, neurotypicals. Um, but yeah, so I guess to, to kind of go back to the original conversation, like, so I guess you know my my view of addiction would have to first and foremost be that like level of harm. Like, mm-hmm. is it actually is it a problem? Like, and if it's a problem, can you? Uh, you know, can you explain the problem that it's causing? Because it might be like it might be something as simple as um, like you don't maybe you don't have the money to support your habit. And then what? You know, it might not be something as as, you know, significant as um, 
you know, I, I drank too much today and I went on a bender and then I did some things that I regret. It might not look like that. It might just look like, you know, oh, well, this thing that I rely on every single day, I can't reasonably, you know, acquire. Now, alcohol is relatively inexpensive, so I don't think that will be a, you know, a huge problem. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I look definitely. for like some area where it's negatively impacting your life because we all do things every day to cope and survive that we don't demonize as, you know, uh, habitual practices that are damaging. So, and this is what my counselor had said to me too. He said, um, I'm less concerned with how much you're drinking as the effects of the drinking. Yeah. So if you were getting trashed every night and going for a drive, you know, cheating on my wife, hitting my kids, that kind of thing, he'd be, even if I have one drink, then that's much more concerning than me having three drinks in a night and doing yeah. none of those things. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head. Like, there's, there's, to go back to our first conversation ever, you know, there's the adaptive and maladaptive world. And um, sometimes there's a blurry line between them, but right. um, yeah, it, it all boils down to whether or not we're remaining functional, I guess. Right. Yeah. And, and that's and <laughs> who gets to decide that. I don't entirely know. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. So yeah. So I, you know, I guess to, to wrap it up, like I'm glad that you pursued that with such uh you know care and like proper due caution and I wish you well on developing a healthy healthy ritual that makes your life better so hopefully that is you know how that all works out and yeah. I wish the same for me so no doubt yeah I was gonna say um it's a uh... Yeah, I mean, I, I hope the same. And next time we talk in a year, uh, I'll, I'll give you guys an update. Right, exactly. To how yeah, we're doing. So a year from, this is our annual <laughs> podcast in which uh, now all of a sudden Miles drinks and I do weed. And it, it's great now. The <laughs> pandemic is over. Everyone can go outside. Everything is fine. Um, yeah. Nothing bad has happened. Nothing bad has happened in the last year. Um, <laughs> yeah. You got anything else, Miles? I, I mean, that, that seemed like a pretty... You you opened it up and that we we did the thing that seems pretty good. This, that I'm was pretty, better than I expected. I'm happy with this. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, if you are listening, I am so happy that you are. Uh, we I'm trying to find a very good way for um, people that listen to this podcast to communicate with us and with each other. I'm still trying to figure that out. I've we have a Twitter page, we have a Facebook page, but. Um, it, we just don't usually get a lot of like people talking. So I got to figure out a better way to do that. Uh, wherever you do find this, maybe comment or th- there should be some kind of link to, to get a hold of us. So if you like the podcast and want to hear different things or just want to tell us that we're doing okay, we'd love to hear from you guys. So, we're not doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> sufficient, Miles. We're doing sufficient. Okay. Satisfactory, well, yeah. All right, I'm going to attempt to stop recording. Uh, I haven't done this in a year, so I hope I don't screw this up. Anyways, Miles, it was excellent talking to you. Thanks, sir.